This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is a special edition of the Arsenal Transfer Show. We I wasn't actually planning on doing an episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show until around the January window time, but with the, the honeymoon series of which this is, and thank you and I hope you've been, been enjoying our, our pre-recorded content whilst I've been away, um, I thought one of the topics that we would do is kind of look around the squad building processes and the tactics around kind of looking toward how do we get to a position where Arsenal are once again competing at the top, top end of the Premier League and Champions League because things still need to change for Arsenal to get there. And and who better to kind of talk about this kind of thing with than the one, the only, Mr. Clive Palmer. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, I, know, I know you're pretty good. You just got married, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, can't complain about that. I mean, right now, as we as this goes out and the listeners are listening, I'm probably just chilled on a beach in Mauritius, you know, living life. But uh, right now, yeah. none of us need to. <laughs> none of us need to hear about that. Just get on with the show. <laughs> but as I say, yeah, right now we're sitting here and we're going to talk a bit about kind of the squad building uh, and how we level things up and upgrade Arsenal to a level that gets us as close to the likes of Man City as we feasibly can in this kind of era of football. So I thought that the best to do is kind of split things up in kind of the three thirds of the field, starting with um, the defensive end of the spectrum. Arteta has, has changed drastically, I think, from the point he came in. I mean, when he came into the club, I remember that, you know, one of the big things about it was trying to address the the, the goals that we were conceding. Because under Emery, we would just concede chance after chance after chance after chance. And he initially, I remember going to that back three that eventually has morphed into this kind of back four that we've used as well. And we've changed personnel significantly. I mean, the entire starting eleven for that game, um, the first game of the season, was an entire back five, including the keeper, that was made up of Arteta's signings. So it kind of shows you in such a short space of time, he's overhauled the entire back line. So talk to me about your feelings regarding Arsenal's defence and where it is, where it has been and, and where it still needs to go. So I'm probably going to shout your your little menu, Tom, This is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, for me, if I talk, if I talk about defence, what I've learned over the last few years is 
your your play starts from the back, right? So the players that can mm. play at the back define how you play. And they have to have the ability to play inside and out, right? So I can't help but have this conversation without talking about the evolution of how we play football now. And I, of course. I know many of your educated viewers or listeners um, understand how we play. I know we used to play a back three. And then we went last year, we really sort of built up in a, almost like a 3-2-5, introduced Tommy Asu into the group. And then we had Tommy Asu, White, and Gabriel, you know, potentially hanging back and then pushing up Nuno or Tierney on the left-hand side. And everyone understands about five lanes now, the half space, central zones, all the rest of it. We're experts now, aren't we? Because mm. we've all absorbed loads of content. And, um, and really... Uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed has been the evolution of the Arsenal fan, actually, and understanding what we're trying to do. It makes me admire Arteta more than I actually do, based on him knowing what he wanted two, three years ago, knowing the players that he had, knowing their ages, knowing their numbers on their contracts, knowing their lack of specificity positionally yeah. and how they can play interior and the exterior of the team how they weren't comfortable in certain zones. Now you had to put a team together to win the FA Cup that basically was nowhere near what he wanted to do. At the time, we weren't sure what he wanted to do. But now, we must. I look back and think, crikey, mate, you did a really good job yeah. working with people that obviously they weren't your cup of tea, right? So um, so we now, what's changed? Let's really talk about what's changed from last year at the back to this year at the back, right? So it's not just the personnel, it's it's... Well, actually, it probably is just the personnel, but it's what they can do, right? So I think the introduction of Zinchenko has been absolutely transformational, mm. right? He's literally a roaming fullback, and and he's all over the central area, overloading us centrally, protecting us from build-up, ways of attack, increasing our passing numbers, reducing our distances. He's been transformational. Ben White, almost equally so, although less less visible to us because some people think, well, he's a centre-back playing right-back. Well, he's not. He's playing just inside, auxiliary midfielder on the right-hand side. His number one skill is pressing forward and passing and driving, progressive passing. And also, he doesn't mind on one-on-one. He's quite combative. And so the balance of him partying Zinchenko at the back if you, if you think about the back five, it's almost like a five plus five. Mm-hmm. So there are back five is Sleeper and Gabriel. Then you have your front five and how we integrate our eights and, and our wide men and our, our number nine stroke, false nine stroke, left winger stroke, right winger stroke everywhere, which we'll get to that one later in the, uh, yeah. in the, in the discussion, right? So I think the maturing of that five at the back positionally and how they're more comfortable almost tells you what we need to do next as well to improve it, to continue it. And I saw one of your articles last week talking about the Tierney role and how he's developing that role. And so you can see he has a style which he's going to really stick to. He's even going to coach people to play it. If they can't play it, he's going to replace them. Mm. right? So, And so we need to change our, how we think about the game. right? So to people who I was having discussions with in the preseason game, about Ben White, he's not a fullback. I'm trying to explain to him, well, he's not <laughs> playing fullback. Yeah, I think we understand that a few weeks later on, what he's now doing. We understand what Zinchenko could bring to us, and none of us are saying this really at this level before he signed. 
and Thomas Partey is the same guy, but except he's got a couple of bodyguards next to him now, and he can just he can just rotate. That position has slightly changed. So I do think how we play, how we progress the ball, everything where we stand on the pitch, our line we got the third highest line in the in the Premier League. So we can play up because we've got two players at the back in Gabriel and Saliba who can run, run, you know, chase rabbits. Mm-hmm. They can drop off. They can see things. So it all fits, doesn't it? And we're saying, well, this is wonderful. I, but where we were, we had Mustafi, we had Chambers, we had Bellerin, we had Kalashnik. We had these players just couldn't do what we're, we're David Luiz. He couldn't play on a high line, on a halfway line. Mm. And then you ask yourself, you know, Rob Holding, you ask yourself, hold on, the one that this feels better, it is down to the players and how they're asked to play and if they're able to play in a certain way. So I'm a big believer. I've said it before, Tom, one of my phrases, you know, I used to say blow it up all the time. Mm. And people saying, Clive, you let the manager off. I said, no, this is about players and their ability. And I think I've been proven correct yeah absolutely no i I, arsenal was always going to need a restart um and a rebuild and especially the defense because as i say under emery we were it was chaotic at times um in some of the ways in which we were going up against oppositions i mean for me going away to watford and seeing them dominate us and have chance after chance it's just not something i want to see arsenal do i want to see arsenal play with the dominance like they did at Bournemouth this season, where they just didn't give them a look in or game. Like we've we've been in those games before where, you know, we've gone to a side we're expected to beat, but then you know, they're gonna get chances, as the commentators say, they're gonna get opportunities. But Arsenal are like, no, no, you're not gonna get opportunities. We are gonna give you the chance. We're gonna keep and turn the screw this entire game. And that, as you say, starts from the back and controlling the play and having the ability to recycle and go back if things aren't working forwards. And when you've got as as good a passer as you do in the likes of Zinchenko and why and, and Saliba, of course, who's joined us to lesser extent, Gabriel. Um, it, it's really important. And I say a lesser extent at Gabriel because over the course of this season so far, and I know we've only got a small sample size, he came in, of course, in, in 2020 and immediately seemed like, oh, this is the centre-back upgrade that we've needed for a while. You know, we've been given Squadron Mustafi and Socrates and, you know, these guys. And now we've got Gabriel, who just looks a different breed. But for me, he weirdly looks like the a little bit of an odd one out in the group at times. Mm. Is that fair? Nope. In fact, if you look at his, uh, <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> if it, well, I suppose it's, it's wherever you go, right? Mm. So I think I think team within within a team you have a role. And he's seen as for me, he's like the rock at the back primarily. And so he's a guy that you normally put against the other team's best player, best mm. forward. So he's a guy that roughs him up. And if, it, if you go through him, whatever's left, the other guys pick you off to pieces, right? So, but he's the guy that will be marking Kane. He'll be the guy that, that you know, will be marking Haaland. He'll be the guy that will be taking the other team's best player. But actually, his passing numbers are, better, you know, very, very good. They're mm-hmm. probably, I might even be a bit higher than White. Um, I'm getting this from Elliot in my ears. So I can always hear him. <laughs> but, um, and Elliot's now convinced about him because Elliot loves the data. And the data shows him as a very good progressive passer. And, and for me, I just look at his role and say, we need that guy in our team, that guy who's aggressive, who wants to go and get it. But actually, what we're, I've actually felt he's always been better on the back foot. And when he was with Ben White, who was a little bit more aggressive on the front foot, if mm-hmm. Gabriel had to go on the front foot, I think 
that's when he's at his weakest. When he tracks people going backwards, I think he's much stronger. So you see when he gets into trouble, when he gets his bookings and when he uh, jumped out of his hole against uh, Manchester United, that's the stuff that I think he needs to show a bit more patience for. And that will come with just playing time. He's still young, 23, 24. He's still young and he's still learning. And when you're so physically supreme, you want to go and get everybody. It's almost as though the guy's in front, that three Zinchenko, White and Party. When mm. they're there, they like they like protect the moat. Do you know what I mean? They protect everything. They have a, they create waves of attack, stop people, they counter-press, make sure people can't get to us. Also, if they move out of their spots, that's when Gabriel feels, I might jump in there. Maybe a little bit of patience to hold. Think back to that Manchester United goal when Sambi was up the pitch and he's jumped out. You think, ah, oh, just hold, hold. They're not beating you in a foot race, but they're going to beat you if you're not there and you're on your backside because you made a slide tackle. You're out of the game. Mm. Right? So if you're looking to critique him, that's where you critique him. But every one of them have got an issue. I, I don't want to go through them all, but mm. every one of them has got issues, as we all have, Tom. <laughs> None of us are perfect, right? So, um, yeah. so, yeah, I don't see him as an outlier at all. I see him as perfect for this group. And, um, yeah, he's contract time for him soon. And I, and I yeah, hope yeah. he gets extended. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that you know the the contract extension is is part of the the kind of two three year cycle Arsenal are moving towards with their contracts, and that's why Gabriel seems to be up with that. The reason yeah. why I think I've kind of got it in my mind as him being a bit of an outlier is just I feel like he's the most replaceable potentially of the four. Um, and I look at him, and I think that's because there's a, there's been links to the likes of Juventus, and I've kind of I know that you're shaking your head because obviously we don't need to sell, but in the mind that there are teams looking at him, and as a team moves towards you know trying to move back to the top, players do move on. You know, starting 11s yeah. at the start of a project don't remain the same all the way through, and you know Liverpool lost Coutinho and Suarez, and had to move on from them. And I, I look at Gabriel a bit as one of the players I feel as though could get snapped up by someone else or could move on at some point. So potentially that's why I've got kind of this stigma yeah. attached to him. Um, so I, I think he'd be hard to replace um, because of his left-footedness. Hmm. Uh, I look around and I think there's some other players out there, but they don't offer the penalty box solidity that he offers. And sometimes we get enamoured with build-up and playing on the halfway line, but there's another side to the game, and that is defending your box aggressively. Mm. I think he does that very, very well, particularly in the air. And so, yeah, I, I think I, I even don't mind his rough edges because all the other guys are smooth as silk. right? So we can afford one that's rough, physical, jumps out of his boots, wins yeah. everything in the air. We can afford one. Do you know what I mean? And if you think back to what we used to have or used to like and used to lord, in say a Rob Holding, for example, he's a fine player, but he can't play at the halfway line consistently. Mm. He can defend his box really well, but he can't play in the halfway line. His distribution is not as sharp. He's not as fast. Mm. When he when people run around him, he grabs onto them, and that's a problem. So every foul's a booking, and so because he's not comfortable there. In another defense, ten yards further back, he'll be he'll be like brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. sometimes your role changes based on how you the team is playing. So how the team is playing, Gabriel, Sleeve and White are the only three that can do it. Maybe Tommy Asu up to a point. Well, he's the one we haven't mentioned. I mean, yeah. you know, Tommy Asu, where does he kind of fit? Do you do you see him usurping White back into right back? Do you see potentially a, a partnership between Saliba and White centrally? Is it an option that you think can work as a dynamic? It could happen. And none of us mm. would, would be worried about it, would we? 
No. You know? I also think, and this is something to think about later in the season, it may not happen now, but I, I've, I've got this big thing for Tom Yasu playing at left back in this system. Yeah. Because, yeah, I heard you say that on the vision. Because yeah. particularly when we're playing against those um, inverted right wingers with their left foot. Kulisevsky, etc. He did it last year against yeah. Rafinha. Didn't he do it against Rafinha? Yeah, I think That's you're right. Yeah. Yes. And yes. it's been in my mind since then. And just think about it. It doesn't matter where they play, what the numbers on the back of their shirts is. It's five plus five, right? Five defenders. So if you're picking our best five defenders to get build up, mm-hmm. our best five defenders, Tom Yass is in that group. Right, he's, he's ahead of Tierney for me. Yeah, yeah. On that left hand side, if you're playing big games, Northwest or Spurs away, I'm happy with that five. Mm. But a right mean? footer defending an inverted winger is going to be helpful anyway. Yeah, it's perfect. Chelsea and yeah. Champions League doing the same thing, right? So, mm. um, so it 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 happens, right? So, again, horses for courses, injuries, fitness, etc. People have got this first level in their mind, which I'm fine with, absolutely fine with. But as soon as people get injuries, start to look yeah. tired. We talk about Ben White, it's probably changed a few people's minds. But Ben White told in the last season when he was carrying a hamstring, people are wondering, was it value, right? So it changes yeah, yeah. very, very quickly based on energy, fitness, health. Are you rested? Are you fresh? So these things could change. We might have Sinchenko midfield and Tommy Asu playing behind him, babysitting him. And I'd be fine with it, you know, because Shaka's got an injury, for example. You know, so this is how football can change. And I'm, but we have these options, Tom, and they're all valid and we're not we're not bringing in um, with all due respect. We're not bringing the Cedric to play in no. North London derby right against against people. Right? So. I mean, think about to the last North London derby. It was Cedric and holding up against Son. This time around, it's probably going to be White and Saliba. That yeah. in itself is just levels, levels and levels. You know, yeah. None of us going to forget that pain. Of Cedric head. barely in your TV screen while holding was left on his own. We wonder holding was the amount of criticism holding got for that game, and I'm sitting there screaming at people, going, "Are you watching what Cedric's doing to holding yeah. in this game?" <laughs> like, Cedric yeah, just played was... his own game in another yeah. in another hemisphere, right? So uh, I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> so um... no, 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 he needs to go. He he absolutely needs to go. Um, I'm I, I don't I didn't want to linger too long on the defense. The only other part of me that wanted to ask, obviously, we've got a really exciting talent in Brooke Norton Cuffey coming through, who I yeah. like a lot. Loves going forwards, but equally loves one on one defending, as he's self admitted. Yeah, but he is a different style to White and Tommy Asu because he is forward thinking. I was chatting to um the guys over at the Rotherham United podcast the other day, and they say that his crossing is dreadful. Like yeah. he's his crossing has been awful. Like he's done somewhere like. 20 plus crosses, not met any targets in yeah. any of those. So they, he's got 0% success rate in his crossing. It is a part of your game that can easily be coached and improved, I think, yeah. in time. But do you see Arsenal adapting with a more offensive styled fullback? Do you see a, a Trent? Do you see that kind of player there? I th- I think he's a he's a strong runner. So when you see the, the clips, you see him running past people. But actually, I, I, think, I think he could be taught to be the Carl Walker style, inverted yeah, yeah. right back, mm-hmm. and and just get up behind people. Make sure you don't get run past. Make sure you don't allow people out in transition. I think you can do that easily. I watched him in the summer. I got to be honest with you. I watched him in the summer, and I think we've spoken before on this. And he was tired. He was tired. He played for mm-hmm. England. They won the tournament, right? But he played for England, but he flagged out before the final. Was on the bench for the final. Didn't play well, Tom, in the semi-final, caused a problem, gave Pelly away. Yeah, yeah. Looked tired, mate. Looked tired. I thought, we have to remind ourselves, despite all the nice clips, 
These are very young men developing a robustness for adult football over 30, 40 games. So I'm glad he went out alone again. I'm interested to see what happens to Real Waters. If I look at the two of them, I think mm. Real Waters is maybe more technical. And he seems to have grown significantly. I think he's got an injury now, I believe. Yeah, he's missed the start of one, the season. One to watch there, mate. Trust me. And I think I think it's a toss-up. I'm telling yeah. you now, it's a toss-up. Another player that I've got my eyes on is Austin Trusty, who's playing at Birmingham. I've got yeah. my eyes on him. I'm watching all the videos on him. Friends of mine, I live near Luton, about 10 miles from Luton, and his first game was at Luton, and my friends came back and told me what player this is. Mm. And so he's a left-footed centre-half, runs fairly strong, defends his box strongly. When you see him, you're going to smile. Just watch a couple of clips. There's a couple of good channels out there that have got all his clips. And he looks like a left-footed, quicker Rob Holding. And really strong in his own box. Not quite as... um, I, I don't say he's slow. He just needs to play. And get that agility and light footedness outside of his box. Does he have but, better passing and distribution than Rob Holding? Because I think people listening to this might hear you go, "He's a left footed, quicker Rob Holding." And go, yeah. Well, when, I, when I say <laughs> Rob Holding, when I say Rob Holding, I say he's a he's a true defender, good defender. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a defend yeah. first player. You know, I think Rob Holding, when he arrived, was a, we thought he was a good passer, and then he sort of went away when he got that first injury. So um, mm-hmm. I think our standards on passing out for the back have just gone up basically. And he hasn't quite gone there with it at the moment, confidence-wise. So, so Austin Trust is one to watch. And, and, and yeah, who knows? Are Arsenal cooking him for next season to be and holding pops off to Aston Villa yeah. for 20 mil and he comes in? And that's how you do it, right? So that's how you get money back in that we desperately need. So, um, so yeah, one to watch there. I'd be happy those two, any of those two, three names you mentioned come into the squad to supplement what we have right now. Indeed, yeah. It's funny so you bring Goss and Trusty up by the time this goes out. Actually, tomorrow, which is last Thursday, watching this probably, um, there's an interview on Football London going out with Birmingham City's reporter um, oh. about Austin Trusty. So I'll link that's that to you once that's yeah. out. Um, so you don't talk any sense, right? Indeed, yeah, in- indeed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the midfields. The main, I, you know, the midfield we could go on about is a whole separate podcast. The main intrigue for me in chatting with you about the midfield is talking about this number six thing. This number six thing, I think, is one of the biggest misconceptions in the Arsenal fan base. I think that the idea of we need to sign a a guy that's going to sit in front of that back four and stay there, you know, is, is something that maybe people have got misconceptions about. And we've had discussions about transfer targets. We've not always aligned on the individuals. The Yuri Tillemans thing, certainly I think there's a slight deviation between us on, on him from last summer. But talk to me about what you see as the future of of Thomas Partey's position and future personnel that could fulfil because he's not reliable enough from a fitness standpoint for me, and we need no, to make sure that we address that. So yeah, this is a this is an interesting one, right? So that for me, that role has changed. Now we've got the the two guys on the outside. So what we had last year when Thomas Partey didn't play, we were like we went from an eight out of ten to a four out of ten. Because what he was doing, he was literally on his own. And we didn't have the same inversion because we played as a a 3-2-5 rather than a 2-3-5. So he didn't mm-hmm. have the options. What teams were doing, Palace really did it first, didn't they? They sat on him. He was tired from the international break. Conor Gallagher just said, just stop him playing. You'll stop Arsenal playing. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened, right? So, 
And there was no Zinchenko. There was no White. Saliba. There was no Saliba to take mm. up the load, the passing load, the Gabriel. And so what we have now is a less dependence on that player, Thomas Pai. Although recognising he's still top, right? So, <laughs> and so Sambi's come in. I did, I did one of one of my better bits for analysis every day. Talk about Sambi's role yeah. and how he how he drifts away from the central zone. I called it like the teeth and how he drifts away from that on occasions, particularly when he's got the ball and he doesn't get back to to base quick enough for me. And so what he does, he encourages team in there into that space. So he takes space away. You discourage people from going into space if you're standing in it. So stand in it. Get back there quickly. So what he needs to do, rather than have five touches going from side to side, have two, let the ball do the work, get back to base, take that space away. Then you can jump out and clamp people, right? So and so we had a bit of time off recently, haven't we? Well, you know, with what's happened with the Queen, etc. So I've been doing some studying on, on Sambi and, and Thomas Pied because everyone worries about the fact we're a little bit light there, right? So... Mm. And I was looking at what the differences were. When I watched the Thomas Party sort of videos and looked at some data, what does he bring? He brings what well, he's very smart at Tom is he he knows when to jump out and, and get around people and take the ball off them. So when he plays, he creates far more transitions. And transitions is what we want with our two sprinters in the wide areas and our fours that want to move away. So he's so good at creating transitions, much better than Sambi, who who can play quite nicely on the ball, but defensively doesn't want to go and smash people and get people and, and steal the ball off of people. He's just not, that's not where he is at the moment. I think he's a, I, I actually think he's more of a, an 8-6 rather than a 6-8, that makes sense, right? So he's an 8 that can play 6 at this moment in time. And he may be the best option at 6, so I'm 50-50 on that. But I think we should try to develop him there. But for me, he doesn't create transitions by taking the ball off of people. Another thing Thomas Party does very, very well that we've got used to is that sometimes when he has the ball, he has a lot of disguise. And mm. so when he gets there, the, the other team doesn't know where it's going. So he'll shape one way and then come out the other. He'll dummy what side he's exiting. So teams are shuffling over ahead to try to stop our wingers. And he just goes out the other side. He does a coif turn out the other side quickly. And then it becomes a race to get over and cover us. And we're quite quick getting down the sides. So not only does he create defensive transition, when he's got control possession, he has disguised possession. So they don't, they don't, we are so good. He's so good at stepping a ball through the Odegaard, giving people the eyes. And so we have a level of, I can't describe it. They don't know what we're going to do. Disguise, disguise. Unpredictability. Disguise. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Thank you. Yeah. And he does that. So with Sambi, I think it's a little bit more, we know where it's going. With El Nenny, we know where it's going. So the way El Nenny does it, he stands still and he mm. controls, the, he uses himself as a bounce board. So he may pay 45 passes backwards, but to, sometimes you need to go backwards to go forwards. So he's that guy that's available to allow us to maintain possession, but he takes the space away. So, but I find myself saying to El Nenny, can you please just turn sometimes? Can you turn and drive? And so he, Sammy's got the turn, mm. hasn't got the position. And then he's got the position, hasn't got the, the progression and the turn without moving the ball. He can't do it with his legs. Yeah. And Thomas Party's got the whole lot, right? Mm. So what do we do? How do we replace, how do we bring somebody in to do that role? Now, I I am a little bit perplexed by this because Douglas Louise mm. 
is a not a bad player. Mm. By the way, watch the game against Villa again after he scored. Watch him running backwards in that game. It weren't pretty, mm. right? So Ray Tiedemann's like, but yeah. he he stands in that position. But Tom, I, I'm sure you're aware. If you, if you talk to Aston Villa people, they say he's an eight rather than a six. Yep. So he's not a true six. I mm. know you believe that Thomas Partey is not a true six. I believe he is a true six. Okay. Yeah, because that's what he is now at 28, 29. Uh, yeah, it was kind of the, the Thomas Partey thing for me was like. He his best position when I watched him before coming to Arsenal, why I wanted him was because he played a progressive central midfield position at Atletico. Yeah. People talk about him playing at defensive midfield for Atleti and he fulfilled that role because he was so good at being box to box that he was just so far back, so far forward all the time with his engine. Yeah. But you're right in saying that he's transitioned into the six for Arsenal. You know, yeah. it's that that's where my head's at with him. Yeah, so I I did my. I liked him. I actually saw him when he came to Arsenal in the um, Europa League semi final, and, and they had a sending off, and he went to right back, and I just loved him from that moment onwards. I thought, oh my yeah, God, yeah. can we get him? And, and we end up getting him. So, but he also plays number ten for Ghana. So I always thought he had this. He had this ability to run games, and I don't know if Arsenal did this. I don't know if they how they went for him, but he's just running games from the base of the team rather than running games from the number mm-hmm. 10 position. And I know he's in different international football, etc. but I think it's an unbelievable bit of talent identification because I think what he does compared to Fabinho or Rodri. Rodri is we demand so much from him defensively and offensively, right? So we demand that disguise. We demand that get out of the press. We also do want to win all these headers, all these tackles. And... Those players don't have the same offensive responsibility as he does for us. And this is why I think, you know, fitness aside, if he was fit, you know, Rodri's a very good player. But I, I tell you now, this guy, the only thing that stops me from saying he's the best in the league mm. is, is his health. Nothing yeah. to do with his ability, you know, because I think he's tremendous. And what happens then? Because he isn't fit enough. And I, I can't, I get into debates with people about Partey and whenever they go, he started 57% of games. I'm like, I have nothing back to that because yeah. it's true, you know. Yeah. And Arsenal, obviously, Sambi is, I like Sambi a lot. And he, as you say, he's he's the foil to El Nenny. And if he could add that aspect of his game, great, amazing. But I, I don't think Sambi is a six. I don't think he is that player. I think he is... <laughs> I think he can develop into what Xhaka's doing at the moment um, yeah. and play that position really well. So, you know, it would make sense for Arsenal to go out and sign somebody who is a, not a backup, because, you know, watching the show, I hate the word backup, yeah. um, a competitor um, to Partey. So I'm going to I'm gonna do my first question where I ask you for a name. <laughs> at this yeah, point. and so yeah. I, I, I watch all the rumours like everybody else. Um, if you look at the Brazil squad today, and you look at all the players that are in that squad, mm-hmm. there's one player that's not in a European club. I think maybe one other forward that's maybe in the team now, but in the squad now, but there's one player not in the European club, and that is Danilo. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and I look at him, and I, I see somebody that is a true six, somebody that's played out wide, so he's also somebody that's quite got a lot of agility on the ball, a lot of press resistance on the ball. He he can he can stride, but he wants to move it quickly. But he's he's very agile and he's very mobile. And I look at him, I think, where are Arsenal right now in their 
in their development. Have we got time to develop a Danilo and a Zambi in our midfield? Is Shaka going to stay for two more years to allow these guys to develop, along with a Patino, potentially? Mm. Right? That's three very young players. Right, So I'm not sure we're going to develop three young players into the core heartbeat of the team. Mm-hmm. And this is why the Douglas Louise thing, much like with um, Party, there may be more, maybe something to that big time, you mm-hmm. know, um, because mm-hmm. he's 24. He's used to standing centrally. He's got good ability on the ball. And I think he can develop into that position. So rather than looking for that six, we look for somebody that's got on the ball personality, wants to come and get it, understands how positional discipline, but could develop into that role alongside his two bodyguards, right? Which are inverted fullbacks. Mm-hmm. So the responsibility on ball progression is slightly less because we've got great ball progressors in those positions. But we need that central point, someone who's got defensive responsibility that understands how to receive it, when to receive it, and plays positional football that we like. He's 24, been in the league. We've seen what bringing players into the league from the league has done to us. I know you've always shouted that from the rooftops, Tom. And we see it this year. The difference it's made has been huge, right? So the Douglas Louise one, I'm not running away from it. Okay. I think it could come up again at a a different price point in January. If you had to pick between him and Danilo, just as a quick answer, who would you go for? Because, I mean, they're probably going to go for similar price tags, to be fair. I know because Louise may be at a Premier League club, but the six months left on his deal, in you know, you yeah. probably would get more cheaper. You see, like, we all, we always like the forbidden fruit, right? The ones we're not sure about. Yeah, they yeah. look nicer. And I've watched everything on Danilo, and I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if he if he's going to translate to the league, right? So... I do believe whichever one we decide to go for, we're well informed in that decision. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And um, I, from an excitement point of view, from wanting to do things the hard way point of view, which we have a tendency to like and want to do, Danilo looks very interesting. But I go back to it. You're, I look at things as almost like risk management. Mm-hmm. How are you going to, you know, maybe Danilo comes and maybe Zambi doesn't stay. That could yeah. happen. Yeah, well, that could happen. We decide. Well, actually, we move one of these on, and then we bring in two, right, and and go from there. And that and that could easily happen, right? So, well, but we yeah, saw... we need it. We we do need a twenty four year old though, mate, because we're a bit older. Yeah, yeah. With on any party and shaka, we need a twenty four year old. So I I think we end up with Douglas Louise, and um, it may be a toss up as to which one of the younger ones we decide to cook in the background. There's a reason why we only paid 16, 17 million pounds for Laconga. It's the same as Tavares. You know, they, they're bringing in players they know they can potentially make a profit on and we need to start making profits on players. So, indeed. Maybe. Maybe. Um, we'll round off the show with the last piece of the puzzle, which is the forward line. Now, Arsenal have a front three right now, which you can just see being Arsenal's front three forever and it's joyous and it's brilliant and they're combining perfectly and Jesus has taken things to a new level. But there is always kind of this question around the depth and the lack of depth in in kind of these areas, especially behind Saka at the moment. And Ketia, I would love him to succeed, but the gap between him and Jesus is is significant for me. Um, So what do we do, Clive, with this front three? And how do we mould it for a team that needs to be aiming for higher than just qualifying for the top four? Yeah, I think this this is how we're going to be defined, right? So this is a big thing for me. I I love the two we have on the outsides right now. Um, and their skill is their ability to travel in and out of pressure, travel, intensity, pressing. 
hard, hard positions, right? They cannot play every game. They they just can't. And mm-hmm. so I think we need four for two in those wide areas, right? So so Marquinhos has come in. I think he looks interesting. He looks like a mm-hmm. creative passing wide man, understands how to protect the ball, can definitely post up, can travel inside, can keep it. Lovely pass into the box. My goodness, he's crossing. Mm, he's just cross. unbelievable. He's just got music all over it, right? He's just mm. got to score from it. It's not an accident. You look at some of his videos. He's, the way he strikes the ball and he's, he's shooting it. He's, oh, he's, mate, it's silk. It's He's way too good for someone his age. Right? So um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that's come from. Some people are just given some talent. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah. Martinelli, I'm really, if I project forward, I think we need, and I think we need a a righty from the left. That's our big thing. I don't think that's Smith-Rowe. I, I don't. Um, I think we need a sprinter from, from the left. Mm-hmm. Side. And so if I was to project forward, <laughs> it's going to be, might sound controversial, right? But... Um, then there does need to be a, a, a little bit of renewal in time there. And I see Martinelli spending more time as time goes on as a centre forward. Okay. I, I think he looks like Jesus a lot more than Eddie does. That makes yeah. Sense. yeah. He looks like him. And it's not a problem for us right now. But if we were to buy that Ukrainian chap, and play him with the left wing, mm. who for me is <laughs> is just someone special. It's a, it's a love at first sight player for me. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he came on against Scotland, I went, "Oh my god, who is that?" Yeah, yeah I, I literally, I literally said it immediately. <laughs> who I actually said my tweet said, "Forget Sinchenko, who's at number 14 And I, it's, it's, a, it's a tongue-in-cheek job because watching yeah. Sinchenko, right? And he was playing yeah. brilliant, and um. And I've just loved him ever since. Mm. And he's a, he's, a, he's, a def, he's a defining player. You get defined by your forwards. And we we look much better now with the three forwards that we have. And so we have to have players with similar dynamics behind them. And so if we were to lose a Jesus right now, Eddie can do a good job. But imagine if we had Mudrick and Martinelli were centre forward. I'd be thinking, this this we're still there. We're still yeah. right there. Do you see what I mean? And if you go into Champions League and the games become, you know, there's so many games at the moment, we need the ability to start games with one player and end it with another player that has the same sort, same sort of skills for me, same sort of speed, intensity, carrying ability, the threat that make people want to mark them. I really like that player, mate. And I always say to people, don't get hung up on players. There's always none around the corner. But I'm, I yeah. don't, don't listen to me when I say that because I've fallen in love with this player. <laughs> I think his ability yeah. on the ball, his speed. I just, I cannot see another player more suited to us. You know, age-wise, he hasn't got to play immediately every minute of every game. He needs, I, I, mate, this is, I've never seen a player I've been more... Yeah, infatuated. I, yeah. I, I, I just think he's perfect for us. And we've got yeah. to get him soon because we are the right team for him. I can feel it. We're the right team for him. We've got the right roles. We want that player to stay high and wide on the left-hand side. We want him to carry. We want him to press off the ball. We want him to threaten teams off the ball running, running in behind. We want all of this stuff. Calm finishes, calm crosses. 
he's made for us, isn't he? He's mm. absolutely made for us. So I'm not looking anywhere else. I don't think we need someone from the right-hand side. Really? So Marquinhos, you're kind of banking on with Marquinhos Vieira. Marquinhos and Vieira, they mm. can do it. So why do you add another inverted lefty on that side? I don't think you need, you know, four players, four lefties in that little pocket out there. I, I don't think you need it. And if you want to, you know, I actually think Smith is better, as good from the right as he is from the left anyway. So I don't think it's the problem for us. But I do think having that special player, because a lot of teams attack left, because it's just better for righties to kick towards the left. They attack left, they stabilise right. We we actually are a little bit, we're quite balanced. But mm-hmm. I really feel having that danger man on the left-hand side to attack right-backs is, is what we need. And um, So, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. And in time, one of Eddie and Balogun is going to get sold. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely fine. They're, they're being cooked, they're being priced. They're getting minutes wherever they are. And one of them's not going to make it because they need to play football. Yeah. Right? And so what's your space on that one? But that's how I see it's going to play out. But lots of if, buts and maybes there. But that's how I'd see it playing out. No, I'm thinking like what's interesting. We've got five minutes left. So I think it's a good point to kind of summarize this. You know, when when I kind of sat down to do this show about where does the Arsenal squad need to be? What do we need to add in order to kind of place Arsenal in the best possible position to try and attack what our ultimate goals are? And if you look at the start of what we've got now, we talked about moving on specific players. You know, some players are going to move on. One of Eddie and Balogun, as you mentioned there, yeah. Cedric is going to move on. Um, Holding, I think, will move on. Yeah. And what we've kind of discussed in summary is if we were to add Mudrik, um, one of potentially Danilo or Douglas Louise, uh, yeah. integrate an Austin trustee into the side to be that holding replacement. Um, see what happens with Britton and Cuffey or Rule Waters. And we and that is all that's kind of there, which I think, in a way, highlights how much potential is existing in this team that we have right now, and how kind of good this team is right now. I mean, if now reading kind of that back to you, um, it, it, do you feel as though those is is sufficient to give us, or do you think there's still? I mean, the left eight role for Xhaka potentially is another area. I think maybe that you could see someone else come in, but we talked about Lukonga maybe being that. We, and we've got Vieira. This is the thing, yeah, you yeah. see. With, with the, when you've got the youngest squad in the league, you have to almost close your eyes and say, actually, a lot of these players are going to get significantly better. Yeah. Significantly yeah. better. You know, so... And that's what you've got to leave room for in your mind. There was a player that I... You know, Mudrick is my sort of, like, um, forbidden fruit. Yeah, right? unicorn, so, uh, yeah. So, but let's be honest, right? There's one player that I... Did have a little inkling we might go for, and there was a rumor we bid for him on deadline day, and that was Ferran Torres. Yeah, and hmm. I've always liked him, and I've always liked. He's him very different him. to Mudrik, though. Very he's different. Very, he's different to Mudrik. So, but what he is, he's a positional play player, right? He's like a better Yerby Pino, right? So, he's left, right, or centre forward, false nine. Scores goals from both sides. Very technical. Brilliant in the box finisher, goal scorer. And sometimes you look at it and say, because I love the, the young players. We're already young. And if we're talking about Danilo and Mudri, you think, well, actually, is that enough? Is that just continuing the project? Hence why I think don't sleep on Douglas Louise because we need a 24-year-old. Yeah. If you add a Ferran Torres, suddenly you're adding another player Used to the league, been at top club. Do you, do you see where I'm going? And it's mm-hmm. versatile, can play all across the front three, 
and plays the positional way. And that, to me, is a smart guy. If you look at him at Barcelona, Rafinha, Dembele going to play, I don't think he's going to get all the minutes that he needs. And so I look at that and I think, mate, you're you're hanging loose. Now, Barcelona <laughs> yeah. accepted that bid of 30 mil and Xavi said no. What happens in January if he hasn't got the minutes? Right? So, yeah. so again, that that fits us and it fits age-wise as well. It fits experience. You can't have too many projects, Tom, although I love seeing players develop. you got to have the 23, 24, 25-year-olds. If you add to this group, we suddenly have a group all around a similar age that's got a three, four-year lifespan they're only going to improve. and So Ferran Torres would be somebody that's the sensible buy, if you see what I mean, versus the Danilo and Mudrik, which is, oh my God, they're exciting. I wonder what they would look like in our league. Yeah. You see what I mean? And mm. you can't have too many projects, too many risks. So um, so if I was spending your money, Tom, I'd be buying Ferran Torres and I'd be buying Douglas Louise as the two key players. And then if I'd sprinkle an extra 30, 40 million, you can take Mudrick as well and have a wonderful well, Christmas. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Clive, thank you so much for your time. I always appreciate it. Always a pleasure to have a chat and talk about things. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the comments are on today's video and see what other names people come up with, how they kind of see their perfect Arsenal squad moving forwards. But it's intriguing because the ones we've talked about, we're not talking about spending over 100 million quid on players. It's interesting. We're talking about reasonable fees, reasonable players that actually could just make a big difference by fitting the right piece in the right shaped hole. So uh, it's intriguing where that might go. But Clive, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Tell people where you can find yourself and what you're going to be up to. Um, you know what I do? I just talk football and Arsenal <laughs> vision. When Elliot pings me, I get I jump on, right? So um, that's what I do, really. Most people know me now, I think, on your channel. So, uh, yeah, come along and listen to my rubbish. Indeed. It's like Elliot has a Clive hotkey. Uh, <laughs> just presses it and Clive appears. That's that is a, a very special perk uh, to have. Um, but no, thank you, Clive. Really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying these pre-recorded episodes throughout our Honeymoon series. Uh, do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. We'll see you again for the next one. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.